This is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Chris Schmedeke. Today we're talking about the Colorado Avalanche with Kyle Fredrickson. Stay tuned. I'm joined by Kyle Fredrickson to talk a little hockey and a little Colorado Avalanche. Kyle, how's it going? It's going pretty well. You know, the, the snow is falling. I'm inside doing a podcast, so, you know, life could be a lot worse. Well, and you were just in Florida, so then you come back to this. Um, so hopefully we can get this out of here pretty quick. Yeah, it was bizarre, though, you know, getting a little bit of a, a sunburn in February. I'll, I'll take it, though. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and talk about this Colorado Avalanche team. Uh, every podcast, I feel like we lead with injury news, but it's the big story with this team, and it just continues. You have a story up right as we're talking right now about Eric Johnson now probably missing several weeks. So what's the news there and who is anybody coming back? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at this point, you're right. It, it does kind of feel like we're we're talking in a circle about these injuries just because it's dominated the news cycle with this team. But it's really kind of shaping every storyline that the Avalanche have right now. And the latest news, Eric Johnson being out for several weeks. I mean, of all the issues that the Avs are facing right now, I don't know that that's the biggest one. I mean, EJ is a respected veteran. He's a top two pair kind of guy who plays well with Gerard. Um, but it's not like they're going to miss his production. I mean, he's he's only had seven assists this year, no goals. Um, but it is concerning, right? Especially just because they're already so thin at defensemen. Kale McCarr, he's going to miss a fourth straight game uh, tonight at the Wild on the, back, uh, the second end of this back-to-back the Avs have here. Uh, Josh Manson, it seems like he's just been creeping up on, on being ready to play for a while now. Uh, he was a maybe from Jared Bednar after the game last night, um, after that home loss to the Lightning. Um, so there is some help eventually coming uh, on the way of the blue line, but it's a big issue. And, you know, right now, without Johnson, it's going to move Andreas Englund up into a more prominent role. And he's been, an, I think, a nice surprise for the Avs this year. Uh, is kind of like a prototypical AHL guy who's really molded his game to to stick on this roster. So give him credit. Uh, and of course, the elephant in the room, right? I mean, we'd be remiss not to mention Gabe Landeskog's name in this discussion. You know, I think as of right now, Bednar's line is that there's just still no timetable on his return. That's concerning, being that the team said that they anticipated he'd be skating after the All-Star break. We still haven't seen Gabe. Um, I am hoping to press Jared um, over the next uh, couple of media availabilities here to see if he'll tell us more about Gabe, just being that, you know, hey, is this once again a setback that here's a a chance for, for him to get back on the ice, at least on his schedule, uh, and we haven't seen him out there yet. So, you know, a, a lot of concern with this team right now, even with guys who are healthy. You know, Valanchushkin, he's been playing for a while off of that upper body injury and his ankle but he doesn't look like the same player to me. I mean, he he takes up a lot of space. He does the right things on the ice, but he doesn't have that same burst that made him such a dominant power forward. So, you know, that that's a long-winded recap of, of all the stuff that's going on. But yes, of course, EJ uh, being the most recent one, you know, the, the Avs just, they can't catch a break right now. It, yeah, long-winded is to put it politely because <laughs> right. it's, it's just been nonstop. And, you know, the, the, the opinion I want to get from you is, Missing guys like, you know, they've missed Landis Scott all season, now EJ. Those are two, like, probably locker room voices a little bit. And that's not saying that McKinnon's not a leader and Mika Rantanen's not a leader and probably Kale McCarr quietly. I, I feel like he's probably one of those quiet guys but leads by example. Is this team missing that a little bit? Because it goes into the next topic, which is they're 1-1-2 one, one, since the break, and 
they can't close out close games. Yeah, it's it's a very good point and a good transition because I think these are the moments when you think, man, it'd be great to have a Landeskog out there just as a calming influence and a, as another coach on the ice and a guy who who's going to, you know, get his team in the right position to get out of some of these funks. Because, yeah, when you look at how this team has played after the All-Star break, it hasn't been terrible. I mean, even after they lost 5-0 to zero in Tampa, it was a little bit bizarre how Jared and all the players seemed to felt like they played well in that game. Um, even though, you know, the score said so much otherwise, I think they just realized they ran into a goalie in Vasilevsky who was having just a ridiculous night. They were creating a lot of chances. But in every one of these games, there's lapses. There's moments where the momentum shifts and the other team takes control. And the Avs have been losing those games. Uh, the only time that they haven't done that was against Florida, uh, the, the Panthers, on Saturday night. But it was 2-2 in the middle of that game, and the Avs went the other direction. They got a quick McKinnon goal. They got a Comfort goal, I think, uh, to spin it back around in the right way. So I sort of felt like they had some momentum coming off that game. But then we saw what happened last night with Tampa Bay when the fact that the Avs had two leads in the third period and they can't hang on to either of them. So you can nitpick on kind of why these things are happening. The special teams last night were an issue. The Avs had a few power plays where they could have extended that 2-0 lead to 3-0. And that's a real big difference in terms of really putting a team away. But yeah, when you don't have a Landeskog, when all of a sudden now you're missing an Eric Johnson, um, you know, that's big voices in the locker room who are going to get guys minds right when they need it. And maybe some other guys are stepping up. It's hard to say without us actually being in there, but man, it, it would just have to help. I mean, common sense tells you that that Landy makes this team better no matter what. Well, and one injury we didn't talk about is Francis is hurt now as well. Right. Cause they brought up uh, Johansson again, right? Yeah, it, it was bizarre. So, you know, the, the game, uh, the last game out there in Florida, it was Frankie who was off the ice first, and I assumed that he was the starter and put that on Twitter, and then all of a sudden it's Gorgiev uh, coming in to play the game. So my guess is maybe he, uh, Francois tweaked something at morning skate or something weird happened. He tested it and he didn't like it, but he's just one of those guys right now that Bednar says has no timetable. So, you know, whether that's going to be in a week or two weeks, who knows? Uh, hopefully we can get a little more clarification on that. Um, but that also puts Gorgiev in a tough spot, too, with the schedule coming up with so many back-to-backs. I mean, the Avs could really use Frankie healthy on this roster. Yeah, the, the schedule is a little ridiculous. And you have a quote in your story from Bednar about how he just kind of hates this. So they play tonight, and then how many days off do they have? I think, uh, what, they have? Three or four? Three? Yeah, three or four, I believe. And then play another back-to-back. And then they're off for, like, six days. Isn't there, like, a giant break in there? And then they yeah, play another um... back-to-back. Right. Yeah. I'm pulling it up. Yeah. It's uh, let's see. They've, yeah, I think it's six days in between that second one or five days. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy when you, when you think about the way that the schedule plays out and as always, I appreciate the honesty that, that Jared Bednar has, because that was my question last night in the post game. And I was expecting him to talk about the challenge of playing back-to-back games and, and, and what it means for preparation, but for him just to come out and say, I hate this and I don't understand why we're doing this. Uh, it's nice to see because Jared understands, you know, what his voice means in this conversation and saying that publicly, not only to avalanche readers and fans, 
but also the NHL as like, hey, what are you guys doing? We're the defending cup champions and, and you're going to make us do this. It is a little bit crazy. And I do know that, uh, you know, state wrestling is coming to, to Ball Arena this yes. week. So, yeah. so maybe we blame those guys for for how nuts this is, because I know what that event's like. And, and that's three busy straight days uh, of wrestling in that building. Yeah. And it works out because I think the Nuggets play at home tonight and then it's the all-star break for them. So they can, right. they're, they're only shipping one team out for a weird schedule. at right. least. And, and I should mention, you know, Bednar's real issue here wasn't really even the schedule. It was just the fact that on these back-to-back games, the abs are playing a resting team. So basically yeah. they're at a disadvantage three games in a row off these back-to-backs and to Bednar's point that that's pretty unfair. You know, that's if you, when we go look back at this stretch, you know, I think if the abs even break even, you're going to be happy, you know, as a fan with, with how they've played, because this is not an easy way, uh, you know, to kind of creep into the, to February and, and March when these games really start to matter. Well, yeah, I was just going to talk, you know, we're kind of getting down to the, getting down to the stretch run here now you know how many games are left uh gotta be about 25 or 30 or so yeah we're on game 52 or 53 some somewhere around there so yeah yeah right so you know they are tied with minnesota right now for that third spot in the central but you know we've talked about this every time is oh they're going to be the team that no one wants to see in the playoffs if they get there right now i think we have to actually worry about that now and but you know do you see this team being they would have to play on the road every series if they take that third spot right unless something weird happens i guess yeah it's possible right but you know are we at that point where it's like oh they'll be fine come playoff time i mean 20 games there's 30 games left like and half these guys aren't back there's going to be some chemistry issues as well no yeah, i mean it's, maybe right and i think the you know the mindset of the team if it hadn't changed before it has to change now it's not about seeding or trying to get, you know, any kind of home ice advantage, yeah. just get in, get into the playoffs. And because on paper, this is a team that should be easily in. And Bednar talked about that recently. He loves this team on paper, but they just haven't had that team be because of the injuries in terms of the panic. I I would say at this point, if, if the avalanche can abstain from losing, you know, four or five games in a row, which they've done pretty well to this point, I think they'll be fine. You know, it's, it seems like we have this conversation once a month and then all of a sudden they're playing championship level hockey right. again, and everyone cools out. So I think in the ebbs and flows of a season, you're going to get a little bit of that. But I will say in terms of your leadership and the culture and the message that you're getting from the top, all the players, I mean, that that cha- championship tradition from a year ago, it's still there and that mentality. So in terms of, of those guys being panicked and, and, and them looking at the schedule and looking at the standings, I don't think Avalanche players could care less at this point. They're just trying to play their very best brand of hockey when it matters most. Just a really hard thing to do when you have such a skeleton roster. And uh, we're recording this before tonight's game against Minnesota. That's a national TV game, right? 7.30 puck drop, I believe. Yeah, going to be a real late night. Yeah, yeah. So they're tied with Minnesota, like I said, with that third spot. They also have Winnipeg coming up, who they're chasing as well. So, But again, like Minnesota's been hanging out, resting. The ass played last night. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, it's tough when you are still playing a lot of guys from the Eagles, to be very honest. And, you know, you still got, like we said, McKinnon and Miko's out there. I, I think having no Makar is, is just huge still. Like, the, the, like 
defensively and offensively like that guy's just a star yeah and you know when we think about what the panic level is for this team and getting to the playoffs if McCarr can't come back I think that's yeah. when you get worried as a fan right and and concussions are so iffy and you just really unpredictable and and how it, they heal for every guy who has one you know and I do want to tell our you know readers I did ask Bednar specifically about how the abs handled that concussion because as you'll remember Makar went back into the game after he was taken out but in terms of how the abs feel how Bednar feels you know they're happy with how it, it played out there is an independent observer a doctor who's there who diagnoses those a spotter up in the box who then deals with Makar and if he passes those tests and says that he's good to go back in then then he's good they're going to trust that player but it is interesting to me that you know to attack Lavoa in the NFL that happens to him and he comes back and it's the story of the league and the NHL, it seems like just another night if a guy comes back in and, and has a head, head injury. So it, it is kind of a bizarre difference in sort of the culture and just the league kind of the, the, the media reporting style, you know? Well, my next question was how brutal is the NHL? If there was no discipline on that. Like clearly he's, went for his head you hit one of the best players in the league in the head knock him you know now he's out with concussion for his fourth game at least and the nhl is like but then they penalize someone for hitting cogliano in the leg right 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 (laughs) yeah that is a crazy juxtaposition and to your point if the league cares about its star players and promoting the game and having its best players playing like the nfl or the nba does then they need to go out of their way to make sure that guys like kale mccarr aren't getting needlessly hit in the head. And, you know, to your point on an unpenalized play with no supplemental discipline, when anyone watching that play could think, okay, that's pretty unavoidable. McCarr did take one step in the direction of Jeff Carter, that Pittsburgh forward who hit him. I think ultimately that's why the league said, okay, this isn't, you know, some kind of incidental contact that the other player initiated. McCarr went in as well, but it happened in such a flash. And I think to some degree, that opposing player has to have more body control where he's not, you know, knocking guys heads off as he's coming into the zone. So real quick, before we go trade, trade deadline is March 3rd. Just any thoughts on that again, you know, the abs biggest trade, you know, could be getting Landis Gog and McCarr back who knows, but you know, I mean, they don't have a lot of prospects and they don't have a lot of draft picks. So do you, I mean, I'm sure they'll be busy because Joe Sackick will never pass up a chance to improve this (laughs) roster. Right. So two things for me to come to mind. Um, wouldn't be surprised if the Avs did take a big swing at an O'Reilly or a, or a Taze, but they're not going to do it at the expense of their future, right? Yeah. They're not going to leverage so much that in a couple of years they're like, man, wh- who, why did they make that trade? They lost all this and, and now they're having to rebuild. The Avs aren't in that position. And number two, if I'm Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland, I'm also kind of maybe looking at this season, maybe not as a lost season, but as a season where they don't really have the pieces to win a cup again. Maybe they just don't feel like they, you know, have what it takes to do it because of all the the injuries. And are you going to make big moves to try to win another cup to alter your roster to do that in a year like this? I don't know. And, you know, maybe McFarland doesn't think like that. Everyone in that building probably still thinks that the abs are cup contenders and that they can go do it. But as we get closer to the deadline and to see where the avalanche are right now, I would assume that they're going to stand pat, maybe get another depth defenseman. Maybe Jack Johnson comes back from Chicago and, and kind of shores up that space that EJ filled before. 
But also with Eric Johnson off the roster on long-term IR, if that happens, that's a whole bunch of cap space that the Avs can clear yeah. in terms of bringing a guy in. So I didn't want to necessarily get in that too much today and uh, the story about Eric Johnson. We'll see how the next you know couple weeks play out here. But that could factor into the Avs' decisions if they put him on long-term just to you know get an extra $6 million to to bring in a guy like O'Reilly. Yeah, it's hard to say they're like, this is just like one of those snake bitten seasons. It really, it, you know, it kind of reminds me of the Nuggets last season where sure. those guys were just not coming back. Uh, yeah, and that was just, and that was just kind of the season. Now, the Azure was defending champs, and you always want to try. It also makes me realize what Tampa Bay did the last three years is pretty incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. Even to get to the final in that third year, yeah. it's madness for for the toll that it takes on these guys' bodies, for for the number of players you really need to compete for a cup and to have that championship depth. You're right. It's 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 pretty spectacular what they've built. And Bednar's even said that the Avs really studied what Tampa Bay did and, and to some degree emulated it because when you have success like that, other teams are going to kind of figure out, hey, how, how are you doing that? Because we'd like a piece of that, too. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. I mean, it, it's just tough for them this year. It's hard because every time I see something, it feels like it's somebody getting hurt. But again, like we've said, I can't imagine anybody would be like, oh, we drew the abs in the first round. That sounds great. <laughs> right. And we've seen it in spurts where this team looks like they could make well, they it. They won seven run. of eight right before right, the break, exactly. right? So, so for all these conversations we have for, ooh, is it time to panic? It seems like in a few weeks – things level out, but it's been up and down and, and sort of the nature of the beast for these guys. All right, man, before we go, anything you want to plug in the Denver Gazette coming up? Um, You know, I guess I will say just one thing that, that came out in the paper today is just a, a story about Andrew Cogliano. And, and we brought it up, you know, that, that knee knock that he took against Ian Cole, the, the league fined him $5,000 Cole uh, for that hit. But I really just wanted to to analyze Cogliano's toughness, right? Because all these injuries are happening. And here's a guy who's 35. He's, you know, played 16 some NHL seasons. And he, you know, he's missed one or two games all year. And, you know, I think for the Avalanche, it's really a, a good example of a veteran who takes care of his body and, and does everything right to make sure that he's healthy every game. And that's not a knock on the guys who get injured. You know, you're not in control of that a lot of times. But for Cogliano to have the sort of toughness to come back from that play when in the moment he was pretty seriously worried and, and injured, um, you know, it, it speaks volumes to the guy he is. So be sure to check out that story uh, in the Gazette. Uh, it's online currently uh, for anyone listening out there. All right. Sounds good, man. Thanks for coming on. And we will probably talk again close to the trade deadline. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.